thought Boston, L.A. World Series is exactly what Major League Baseball wants. They want their uh, Laker, Laker Celtics version here in baseball. I think New York, L.A. would be better for Major League Baseball. Oh, they want New York and as much as they can, but they'll take Boston. We'll take Boston. Uh, yeah, Major League Baseball is not rooting for my World Series at Houston, Milwaukee. <laughs> They're going to close up shop. They can kick that over to FS1 if that happens. Yeah. Welcome to the Yak Sports Podcast with Joe Deck and Leela McRae. Welcome in for another week of the Yak Sports Podcast, your Augusta County sports. Joe, what are they talking about in the county? Well, Leland, we had an exciting night in high school football on Friday. It was full of upsets. In fact, they were pretty big in terms of the landscape, I think, in determining who is in and out of the playoffs and seeding purposes as well. Ari Lee had a great second half as they took down the Larray Bulldogs 44 to 30 after being down 23 to seven in that ball game and Stewart's draft getting a huge, huge win against Buffalo gap 36 to 35. And then I mean, the other big game, uh, you know, let's go ahead. We, we dap for it defiance every week. I feel like, but they hadn't won a Valley district game since 2014. They win against TA. They're now four and two on the season. After starting the or after a record of the last four years being two and thirty eight, Leland, crazy. Yeah, it's a complete turnaround, and you you got to be happy about them. When you say that, it, I, I did, it was one week, and the powerpoints don't get decided in one week until we're week at eleven, and when all the games have been played. So I, you know, sure, winning and losing means a lot, but Gap lost a game they should not have lost. And they didn't even go down in the PowerPoints. Now their average went down and they got the, the team behind them got closer, but it doesn't one loss doesn't just kill everything. Now it, it does depend when if it's a loss against a team that really needs a win or not. So gap so in one way, gap losing to Stewart's draft is almost more beneficial because it wasn't to a Wilson or a Lee that's like right underneath of them. It was to a team that's further out. So it, it, it really benefited a team that's not going to make the playoffs anyway, unless they just continue on some kind of tear that we don't see coming. But, you know, it just averages out so evenly. So Gap is still sitting solidly in the playoffs. Now, it doesn't give you confidence for Gap moving forward, and that's going to be a common theme tonight, what last weekend did that doesn't give you confidence going forward. But it does make you doubt games that they have ahead of them against other solid teams. You know, Buffalo gap is going to play this week against East rock. We're going to mark that as a loss. Then they play Stonewall, which will mark as a win. But then that Wilson game, like if you see gap lose to draft, you'll really start to wonder about that Wilson game. Yeah. And Wilson is a team that is going to be fighting to get in the playoffs Yes. And coming to that last game, they're going to be really motivated to win that game because I think the end of the season, it's going to come down between Wilson and Page. The playoffs is only big enough for one of them. And it's going to be a question of who gets in and who gets left out. Uh, the Page-Wilson game is big, and then Wilson-Buffalo gap is going to be big. I think that is very likely. I don't disagree that it, it might just come down to Page and Wilson who play each other this week. That decision might get ch- getting. Uh, figured out this week we just won't know that for sure until the end the other team i'd watch out for though is clark county who do they get beat and drop down even further they're three and three right now this is not usual territory for a clark county team they might get messed up in that seven eight nine area and could be a factor in that so we just have to see how it plays out i will say you know now stewart's draft and madison sit on an equal record and Draft has more PowerPoints. So to me, that's telling me 
Madison playing Clark County at the end of the season, that will help them less than a draft playing Robert E. Lee on the last game of the season. So it's, it's just things like that you start looking at right now. I'm sorry. Are you saying Stewart's draft is going to be in the playoffs? No, I'm saying. Well, when then they what are we talking beat, about? Like, when, when they get beat in the last game of the season, they have, uh, they're going to have more wins than they would have had last week. So that last season, last week bump will be better for Lee because they're playing a three win. Oh, I don't think by that point. Yeah. But I don't think Lee is Madison worried about, playing. I don't think Lee's worried about missing the playoffs. Um, not after now they, after they lose to Riverheads, they're, you, you might see them fall a spot. And if they're in seven, they should be worried about losing the spot in the last week of the season. They beat Larray. They did enough. All right. Let's talk about what Wilson did. Or let's not talk about what Wilson did. Who cares about what Wilson did? It was wow. as expected. I, I mean, who, who thought they were going to go into Riverheads and do something different? Apparently you. We got it. score updates uh, every five minutes. <laughs> I talked about two Wilson fans near the campus of Wilson that day. They're like, yeah, I'm not even going to that game. It's going to be a blowout. They were right. It was 42, nothing quick. I want to talk more about the Lee Loray game, the game we were at and how for not quite a half, but nearly a half. It just looked obvious that Loray was going to win this game. And then all of a sudden Lee just plays great in the second half. What, what is up with the Lehman and just having the tale of two halves week after week? So that's a good question. Uh, I can just tell you based on what I saw. I, I, in the first half, I saw a team that looked totally lost, not even like they came out of the locker room to play football that night. Uh, and, and to me, I mean, I looked at you when, when we went to break. When the ball went over the Saucy's head for a safety, you know, and that kind of stuff's happening. Yeah. I, I just looked at you and I was like, man, this is just a nightmare if you're Ari Lee right now. And at that point, I'm thinking, maybe Ari Lee doesn't make the playoffs this year. And then they get a touchdown there late in the half, and it was like everything changed. All of a sudden, Lawler is still gashing the defense, but they're doing that, and they're letting Dodd run, and they went away from the pass. And not that they totally abandoned the passing game, but it became less of a 50 50 split like it was there early. And I think that's a key. I think Ari Lee look last year, 50 50 split was important because Jaden Williams had the ability to throw and it made defenses not pack the box this year. You're relying on Lawler and Dodd to get to the outside and make stuff happen there. Uh, the passing game just isn't there for Ari Lee this year. That's fine. If you can I mean, run and, and seal blocks at the edge and then win the game that way. Uh, what we saw from Larray was the same old offense we've always seen from Larray, and I think Ari Lee just tackled better in the second half. They did. They did tackle better in the second half. That was going to be one of my points. I will say their passing game has more capability than a lot of these other area teams that we see. They're more capable of passing the ball than Draft, Wilson, Gap, and probably Riverheads, though Riverheads is higher. I will say that's more of a threat than I'm used to seeing in a lot of these games and a lot of these other teams that will be in the playoffs. I, not East I don't not know what that's saying. I mean, <laughs> they pass better than Gap, Draft, Wilson. I mean, these teams really shouldn't be passing at all based on what we've seen. So, uh, <laughs> okay. Uh, yes, but I, I don't know if it's good. Um, and, and that's they, the they're thing. Missing, 
they're missing that 10 yard curl that they had last year. I mean, they could throw it 10 yards and, and it was a first down. And I mean, it was a backbreaker in the Riverheads game. We saw it down the stretch of the season through the playoffs. You know, they'd get in those third and long situations and they had that 10, 12 yard pass play every time. They don't have that. It would be nice to find that if for them. Um, I'm impressed with Dodd and I think I've been down on Lee for a couple weeks. So I'm trying to be positive about it. And I think Dodd's real easy to be positive about, you know, we said early in the season, he can't play trying to be like Jaden Williams. He's playing his own game, but man, he gets a lot of rushing yards and a lot of, and, and can do some passing yards. He's a pretty solid player. They should be pretty excited. They have him back for another season. Yeah. I think Dodd is going to just get better as he learns more and becomes more comfortable uh, with his own abilities and the offense. So I think Will Dodd will be fine. I think Ari Lee's got a lot to look forward to for next year. And maybe that's the thing. Maybe this is a team that is, you know, fairly young this year. They're going through some growing pains. I don't think anyone expected them to be knocking at the door for another state title game run. Uh, but, you know, now we know, okay, Ari Lee, uh, you're you're going to be in the playoffs this year. You're not going to be a high seed, probably an early exit. But next year, these kids have valuable experience. They're going to learn a lot. And I, I think Ari Lee is going to be a team to look out for next year. Speaking of a team that I think we're going to look at a lot next year is, is Fort Defiance. And you brought them up right when we came into this segment. But that defense, I mean, they're they're playing really well on defense. TA is a team that scored a lot of points this season. They played Rockbridge County two weeks ago and kept them down in points. I mean, they only scored what well, was 14 points for the game. Mm-hmm. Um, if they can keep themselves in, in a game against a Spotswood or a Harrisonburg, which looking at Harrisonburg looks pretty tough, um, but keeping themselves in a game, you never know what'll happen. And that's something they've missed the last year. So I just, I want to prop up for its defense and, and saying I'm even more impressed with it week after week. Yeah. Harrisonburg kind of left the scoreboard this week and Spotswood looks pretty good too. So I don't, but if they keep themselves in a game, I'd rather yeah. I'd rather be going at it with a defense that can keep people within reach than trying to keep up in a shootout. We saw what Brockbridge did with that. And um, yeah, I, 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 just think, just, I, I like Fort's chances in an upset victory down the stretch. Yeah, I just don't know if Fort's offense is going to be good enough. Like, I think 20 points is going to be too much for Fort to <laughs> overcome in those games. I mean, but I mean, okay, maybe they, they keep them to 17 and they have themselves a shot. And, and even not just in those two games, they're going to be a probably five through eight seed out of that region, somewhere in that range. They're going to travel somewhere. And if they're even a five or a six seed, they're going to be traveling somewhere. That's not crazy for them to win. And I think their defense could win themselves a playoff game, which I mean, oh my goodness. Sure. I mean, look, I'm not arguing with you about that. I'm just saying, you know, when it comes to the Harrisonburgs and the Spotswoods, I'm just saying, (laughs) I don't know if I would fancy Fort too much in that game. But, uh, yeah, I, I think Fort's defense is too good for us to be talking about Fort getting blown out in any game this year. Yeah, I mean, Harrisonburg does make your uh, teeth chatter a little bit after seeing them put up, was it 77 on Rockbridge? Mm-hmm. Ooh, that's crazy. Um, all right, well, I'm going to lead us off with what else everybody else is talking around here, and that's Virginia Tech football. And I'm going to lead us off because last week I felt like I kind of alluded to the fact that Virginia Tech might just go and get beat against Notre Dame. And they did. They got beat by a better team. And I don't know if Notre Dame is a a playoff team or not. I think their schedule will allow them to be. But then I think they'll get taken care of quickly then. And and maybe what they are this year is just that because, you know, we keep saying Alabama is so much better than everybody else. But 
I just, I mean, sitting there in the stadium watching the game, I know at halftime it was a one-point game, but I really even felt before that, as soon as that penalty called back the trick play that was like our miracle to be staying in the game, as soon as that penalty called us back, I was like, this isn't good. They, like, we, It took that for us to be winning this game. It's not a good situation. And then we couldn't finish any drives from then on. But I, it, it was it was that early that I was pretty worried about the way that game was going. Okay, um, that's fine. I agree with you. I think Notre Dame is just better than Virginia Tech. That's yeah. That was my takeaway from the end of the game. And I'll say this. Uh, listeners to this podcast from the beginning know I am no Ryan Willis fan. But Ryan Willis is not the reason Virginia Tech lost that game. He actually Heck had a no. pretty That's good what I game. I to dig on you about. <laughs> he actually had a pretty good game. The only play I could get on Ryan Willis about was the fumble, and that was because I was more frustrated because his alarm clock's not going off for him to get yeah. rid of the ball there. Um, but other than that, pretty good game from Ryan, Ryan Willis. Uh, and, and you see quarterbacks make that mistake, so I don't think you kill them for that. And it was an effort play. And, like, I'm just never one to quick to quickly kill anybody for a play that – you. Yeah, he was trying to do too much. So I, I, I thank you for at least saying something positive about him for once. I like it. Yeah. Um, look, <laughs> I, I actually believed in Virginia Tech longer than you did, apparently, because going into the locker room, I actually told the guys I was watching the game with, I was like, I think we might win this game. I didn't uh, think we were Notre Dame's best shot. We were in the game. We were hanging with them. Our defense was playing well. Here's where I, we lost the game, in my opinion. As soon as that 97-yard run happened, I was oh, like, yeah. ball yeah. game. Our defense just lost its confidence. And because even after the fumble, which was the first moment where I was like, "Uh oh, Ryan Willis leads the offense down the field, throws a passing touchdown. And I'm like, all right, we're back in this. We're fine. This is a team that's going to be in this ball game till the end, maybe. And then the 97 yard run happens. Virginia Tech drives down the field. And here is where I'm going to get a little negative Leland. I did not like down 31-16 late in the uh, third and into it. the fourth. Go for it. Yeah, you got to go for I don't like the long field that. goals, especially yeah. after he missed the first. If you want to go for the first one, I didn't think the first one was a good idea either it's because that one was a fourth and three. I was like, if you can't get three yards here, you're basically saying we can't win. Um, but he misses that one. And then an even longer one, and you try another field goal. I'm like, what are you doing? You're just not giving your kids a chance to win. That's what I want to see. I want to see... Virginia Tech have a chance to win this ball game, and I don't think Justin Fuente gave that to them uh, on Saturday night. And before you come in, I, there's one other critique of Justin Fuente. I listened to his post game presser from start to finish. I don't think Justin Fuente has earned the "do it my way or the highway" uh, attitude he seems to take. Hazelton had a fantastic ball game. He was asked about Hazelton. First thing he said. I wish he would focus more at practice. I'm telling you, if Hazleton was the best player on that field, if Hazleton's not focusing at practice, I hope no one focuses at practice because then maybe everyone else will put in a Hazleton-type performance and we can beat an elite team once in a while. I don't know. When Hazleton drops the football, I kind of think, I I wonder if that might be a part of it. When the ball's thrown to him and he drops it, when it hits him in the hands and he drops it, I wonder if that He had over 100 yards, 11 catches, and a touchdown. And you can have 150 and another touchdown. Who's another wide receiver that showed up in the ballgame? None, but I, I I am not against was him Josh, saying Was my, Josh my Jackson the doing highway. things the Justin Fuente way? Because Josh Jackson's garbage. I couldn't disagree with you more. I think in general, any football coach, first year at a, any school, should be, it's my way or the highway. We're going to do things my way or you're going to get out. I had no problem with that in a general, generic way. 
Okay, let well, me tell and, you. But you're also the one wondering why we kicked off our de- best defensive player. And we had zero pass rush in the second half. Boy, does that hurt. Yeah, because the player was a screw-up and he needed to get out of there. Why? Because he was mad after win. our defense I, gave up 600 wanna... yards to Old Dominion? Okay, so we leave these players on our team and then we're Miami and we're still not winning a national championship and we look like a bunch of screw-ups. I'm just saying, Nick Saban's players aren't squeaky clean. We are not Alabama. We are not Alabama. We're so far from Alabama. We're not even Notre Dame. Why compare us to Notre you, you compare us to Alabama all the time. I don't. You're crazy. You're crazy. I'm We're saying not if not they're not breaking the Alabama. law, they're not failing class. I think you put up with a little bit of attitude I'm if sure the player is top notch. They said last spring that what's his face that they kicked off after the ODU Hill. game was not was was on the ledge. They're putting up with some. There's room. There's room to grow. They he wants. He says, "Where well, I'm a lot better with you than without you." But don't make me pick between the team and you. That's what I keep hearing out of Fuente. I couldn't. I couldn't disagree with this more. And any comparison you want to make to Alabama is useless. It's useless. We're not. We're not in the same league. The best player in the state. What was it? Six years ago. Hand. You know, he didn't even stop by Virginia Tech. We need to change that. I agree. But we're not there now. We're not there now. We're not Alabama. Compare us to somebody that's at least within reach. Because apparently Notre Dame isn't even that. Well, Leland. But you compare You want our freshman quarterback to play like Tua. Like, he's not Tua. He's not even good. We're getting transfers out of Kansas. Yeah, we don't have Tua on our team. Except well, my problem we is you start, just, like, you start a guy who's not even your best quarterback. They thought he was from practice, where probably Josh Jackson was listening pretty good, and where apparently Hazleton's not. I'm fine with my way. And Hazleton's doing good. Ryan Willis is better than Josh it. Jackson. He's, they're calling different plays without Josh Jackson. I'll say that. Justin Fuente lost to a team that has one win this year, and their other losses are to Liberty, who housed them. East Carolina, who housed them. Florida Atlantic beat them this week. I don't know who they played on week one, but they lost that game too. <laughs> they did, but I don't I, – I, we had a bad loss, and we've already dove into that. I'm just too. saying, I, look, I'm I like Justin Fuente highway, when we hired him. Why would you be against that? I like Justin Fuente when we hired him, but now I'm worried that he actually – Frank Beamer was a good recruiter. He just never got the best out of the players we had. Now I'm worried he took Frank Beamer's players, went to an ACC championship game, went toe-to-toe with national champion Clemson in the ACC championship game, and since then, it has been a steady decline. He hasn't been able to bring in a good quarterback. That's a problem. How many ACC losses do we have this year? Uh, Leland, who is our ACC win? Duke, a team that's probably the third best team in the Coastal. Which is absolute garbage. The Coastal may be the worst division and we can still in go the Power win. Five. So I, I'm I I do not think we're trash. We could be worse. I A think steady at decline. Best, I, Virginia Tech is somewhere between twenty five and twenty. We went to the ACC championship with a quarterback that should have come back the next year, and I'll leave the reasons out of it, wasn't back as expected the next year. So then we played with a freshman quarterback last year who is not Tua, who is not an uh, Alabama-level recruit. He's also not very good, but yeah. 
<laughs> just I'll take what we can get out of them and know that we're ascending. And also, I'm not the one that came on here uh, in the season preview and said if we beat Florida State, we're going to the college football playoff. With our I'm schedule, realistic the whole way. With and our schedule, know that hey, we're probably going to lose two or three games. Well, we've lost two. With our schedule, the only games you should have been worried about were this one and Miami. And Florida State. We were worried about Florida State. But I, we yeah, didn't know but we already, we already beat Florida State. After Florida State, the playoff was a realistic goal because Notre Dame and Miami were the two that you should have been worried about. We would, be, we would have concerns about Georgia Tech because we always have concerns about Georgia Tech. If you're a good team, you don't have concerns about Georgia Tech. Well, we're only but so good, and I think we proved it this weekend. Uh, Let's talk about another We're closer team to average proved- than great. And let's talk about another team that proved just how good they were. And you anointed them national championships mm-hmm. contenders a couple weeks ago. And they I just still got think beat so. at home by Elon. I still who, think they're national championship contenders, but go ahead. They, they still are, but they're beatable. And this is why you don't, the season's not written. And you just don't forget all the games up until a point because things happen. Alabama loses games during the regular season to Ole Miss when they're not ranked. JMU can lose to Elon at home. That's the other team that you always compare to Alabama. You say JMU is the Alabama of 1AA or whatever, FCS, whatever you call it now. JMU loses at home, and yeah, they're beatable. They lost to Ole Miss one time. Um, Ole Miss-type team. They've lost games over the years. Let's move to JMU. What happened? You watched it. I didn't. I was. I did. Um, <laughs> they got dominated at the line of scrimmage. Elon was bigger and more physical at the line. JMU lost that battle up front. It's pretty hard to win the game if you can't win that on either side of the ball. JMU had a lot of drops in that game that were very uncharacteristic of their wide receivers. And I think maybe JMU's players were believing things like I was saying, uh, that nobody can hang with them and they're the best Fair thing enough, ever. Fair enough, Joe. Fair enough. Look, I... And, and some of it might be Elon's a bad matchup because they got dominated at the line. I haven't seen JMU get that dominated at the line before this season. Uh, and I don't think I can say I've seen that under Mike Houston. Um, that being said, I didn't have a problem with the coaching. I just thought that this was a game that did not go their way. There were some suspect calls, but I don't think you blame the officiating in this game. I think Elon did what they had to to go out and win the game. JMU didn't do enough. There was too many field goals and not enough touchdowns. Well, I'm going to take your word on it. The things that I've read, I've really just kind of picked up on the fact that I think everybody just, their heads were a little too big. So I do think they're still a national contender and they can go wherever they want to go. It's probably good that they got knocked on their butt a little bit. I never wanted to say it's a good loss, but maybe here in, you know, three months, we'll look back at this game and say, hey, Jamie, you played a lot better after that. It's very possible. I still think they went out when the CAA. Uh, I was talking about this earlier tonight with someone. Just avoid North Dakota State before Frisco. That should be your call. Yeah. Yeah, you got to be in those top two seeds, and that's where the well, – Top three. Yeah, top three. Yeah, top three. I agree. Let's work backwards from here and talk about next week. UVA didn't play this week, so next week they have Miami. What what percentage chance do you give UVA in that game? Ten. I give them five, even less, because I – do in the past say things that Miami, I don't trust them. I think they get they get too ahead of themselves. I think as a night game, playing Miami, it's just too big a stage for UVA right now. I give them 10% because I watched Miami play Florida State this week and Miami looked like a dumpster fire until about the fourth quarter. 
I was seeing that score, so I trust you there. Uh, jumping back to JMU, they play Nova this week, and that's a team that has given JMU trouble over years that is a pseudo-rivalry for the Dukes. Um, what are you thinking happens there? 100% chance JMU wins that game. I agree. I think they're going to be mad and ready to take it out on Nova. Virginia Tech at UNC, 7 p.m., a night game. I think they go into that and really put it on UNC. I never thought they would lose that game, but I think they really flex some muscle in that game. See, because of the ODU game, I only I, I say 95%. That's fine. I, I That's fine. Let's go back to the high school and talk about what's coming up. Um, you have Fort playing Broadway. I fully expect Fort to take on Broadway and keep them to one score or less, you know, get the shutout. Yeah, that's I'm not going to argue with you there. I think you're right. Riverheads plays LeRae. We just saw LeRae. This was a huge game last year, and LeRae came in, had their issues in the pregame, lost their quarterback, and really kind of played like they were thrown off the whole night. What do you think this happens this year up at LeRae? I think Riverheads wins. I did not see enough from LeRae last night or uh, last week to make me think anything different. I was fully expecting LeRae to be a lot better than they are. Uh, and even in the first half when they were doing, you know, scoring points and everything, I didn't really put it on LeRae playing that great. I just thought Lee was a mess. So I really think Riverheads goes in there and takes care of business. And I do like Riverheads on the road. They seem like a they do well on the road. Uh, then the, probably, the game we have, and I want to save that one for last, Gap versus East Rock. Um, how, what, 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 what spread are you putting on it this week, Joe? I want to hear it early in the week. 35. Yeah, I think Gap is going to have a lot of problems with the pass defense. <laughs> I'm sorry, you don't lose to Stewart's draft yeah, and me think yeah. that that's going to be a ball game for a quarter. That is going to be over yeah. at the end of the first quarter. I think East Rock's going to come out hard and heavy fast. And uh, I think they're going to open it up with the passing game, but then the runs will be there all night. Um, I think Rivenberg probably gets held down like he did against Riverheads. Rivenberg um, could have 100 yards, and this is still a blowout. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Riverburg can do a lot. And this is still a blowout. I definitely agree. The kid, he's had some pick sixes in a row. He had two pick sixes this past week. It doesn't matter if you hand him the ball in the backfield, whether he takes the snap or if he picks it off. He's taken to the end zone. Amazing. All right. I don't want to talk about NFL this week. None of it interested me that much. Let's talk about baseball. Yeah, I agree. And uh, we don't need to get into every series, but we already know I was right about the Dodgers and you were not. The Braves went down. So I'm one up on pickums for uh, baseball. Okay. The Brewers won. Brewers I, swept. I had the Brewers yeah, win yeah, that yeah. series. I know you did. That's fine. That's fine. Uh, but, you know, the Astro, the, the a, Amer- so the, the National League is Dodgers, Brewers. We both had that. Now we had two different teams winning. So I'll see how that goes this week. It won't be over by next time we play. Uh, cause they don't get started even until Thursday. I don't think. Um, but in the American league, Red Sox and Yankees are still going at it, but the Astros, they won dominating fashion 21 to five in their sweep of the Indians. You nailed that. You said it was a sweep, I did. but, uh, Oh wait, I, I had the Astros too. The Indians came up real short. Um, but a lot of, I mean, it seems like a lot of good games have been out there, but then there's a lot of blowouts in between them. It's like in the one night you'll get a blowout in a close game. Um, I think in the championship series, we're going to see a lot of close games. Dodgers Brewers is going to be a good series and Astros versus whoever comes out of the other one will be a good series as well. Uh, still think it'd be the Red Sox, but we'll see. I think the pitching staffs will just keep everything kind of tighter. 
is my opinion there. So no, yeah, we will see. Necessarily. <laughs> we got some fun stuff for later in the show, but first we have a great interview with Mike Barber from the Richmond Times Dispatch. Stick with us. Welcome back to the Exports Podcast here where we are now joined by Mike Barber of the Richmond Times Dispatch. Mike, thanks for coming on with us. Thanks for having me, guys. Well, just to get our listeners a little more comfortable with who you are and understand who you are in case they don't already read your articles every week, um, uh, tell us about what you do for the Richmond Times Dispatch. Yeah, I actually uh, get to cover both Virginia and Virginia Tech, football, basketball, uh, baseball, pretty much anything happening uh, at either school. I'm, I'm our ACC beat writer, so uh, depending on the weekend, I'm either with the, the Cavaliers or the Hokies. Some weekends allow me to get to both games uh, on the same day. Sometimes there's a Thursday, Saturday. Uh, certainly in basketball season, it, it gets a little crazy, but uh, it's a lot of fun to bounce around and cover both teams, and uh, both look pretty competitive this year, so that, that makes it a little more interesting as well. All right, Mike. Well, uh, you know, talk about your journey to the Richmond Times Dispatch. Uh, you know, wh- where'd you grow up? Where'd you go to school? That kind of stuff. Sure. Yeah, I was uh, born and raised in New Jersey. I went to Rutgers, so I was a, a Jersey boy through and through. I uh, got my start uh, really working at the college newspaper at Rutgers, which was a daily paper. Um, the football and basketball, you know, that was a Big East team. They weren't very good, uh, but they were in the Big East, so I got some really great experiences uh, covering, you know, Miami football and actually some Virginia Tech football and places like Georgetown uh, for basketball, Syracuse. So um, back in the good old Big East, kind of cut my teeth there. I, I did an internship at the Star Ledger in Newark, New Jersey, and I worked in the commissioner's office at Major League Baseball for, for oh, three wow. years. Yeah, I'm a big baseball fan, a big New York Yankees fan. In fact, I've been watching the game here, uh, keeping up with them as well. So, uh, <laughs> Yeah, I always got to do that and, and really enjoyed my time at Major League Baseball and around the ballpark, And uh, but always knew I wanted to be a daily newspaper beat writer, and I took a job in 2002 covering James Madison football down in Harrisonburg, Virginia, and that's really what got me launched into covering college sports here in Virginia. Yeah, mo- most of our podcast guys so far have been from uh, the DNR there in Harrisonburg because uh, we talk a lot about JMU sports, so that's awesome. Um you know, you cover both sides of a heated rivalry, and you said you covered, you know, football, uh, basketball, baseball, whatever's happening. What's it like cutting, you know, covering both sides where, you know, people that uh, might like your one article because you're talking about your, their team, and then they might not like your next one because you're talking about their rival? Yeah, it's interesting. Sometimes we wonder, <laughs> would my would my Twitter account be higher or lower if I focused on one or the other? Uh, I know some people at UVA don't want to hear about tech and vice versa, but I think if you're really – if you're a real fan and a real fan of either program, you kind of want to know what's going on with the other school, right? You know, if, if you're a yeah. fan, you know, UVA is your biggest rival, whether it's football, basketball. And, you know, I know it's been lopsided uh, on the football side, but you want to keep track of your rival. I, I mean, I, I bring it back to my time at Major League Baseball. I'm a Yankees fan, but I read as much as I can about the Mets and the Red Sox because, you know, th- those are the teams I want to make sure that that my guys are better than. And, um, so I think that the real sports fans, the real UVA and tech fans kind of enjoy getting a look behind the curtain at the enemy. Well, you know, you were, uh, you were down at Virginia tech this weekend covering their big game. 
And, uh, you know, our listeners are used to Joe and I going off about tech. But I do want to hear, you know, what was your biggest takeaway coming out of that big game against Notre Dame and a loss for the Hokies? But what was your biggest takeaway from Saturday? Yeah, I think it was twofold. Number one, I thought they were outclassed by Notre Dame. I thought Notre Dame uh, proved to be even better maybe than I thought. Um, They are a legit top five college football playoff contender. Um, And on the flip side of that, I don't think that's the end of the world. Um, I I think at this point in the season, we expected Virginia Tech to have two losses. We thought they'd be Florida State and Notre Dame. It's a little weird that you juxtaposed ODU and Florida State. But really, if you're a Tech fan, you're kind of better off because you got the two losses, but you don't have a single loss in league play. Um, I think a lot of the the issues that I saw that that weren't about talent matchup um, are fixable. I mean, there was a, a missed assignment. Uh, on that long run, the 97-yard run. There was a misread by the corner safety, some miscommunication there on the 40-yard touchdown pass. So I think if you're a Tech fan, you got to think, hey, we're exactly where we thought we'd be, maybe even a game up in the ACC column. Uh, And all of our problems about a young defense, well, you kind of knew you were going to have that, and they're all fixable. Uh, Mike, UVA coming up to this point, uh, kind of seems middle of the road to Leland and I, but what is your take and what is your review on the Cavaliers and how they're playing? Would you say it's above expectations or below expectations for the people in Charlottesville? Yeah, it's interesting. And I don't mean this derisively at all. I, I think middle of the road is a great way to describe it. And I think that's a really good thing. <laughs> um, Virginia has been below that yeah. for, for a long time. So I think I expected this team to take a bigger step back this year. Um, they've been a little bit better than I thought. I think Bryce Perkins has been the real deal at quarterback. Uh, they have not been as consistent running the ball with Jordan Ellis, which is something that needs to happen. Um, I've been a little disappointed with the inconsistency on defense. They lost three big stars on that defense, but they returned eight other starters. So um, when the defense has been good, as it was against Louisville, and we can talk about obviously Louisville is a, a train wreck in its own yeah. right. But the defense was really good that day against Louisville. Um, so at its best, that defense is really good. And at its best, with Jordan Ellis running downhill and Bryce Perkins really being a true dual threat guy, I think the offense is pretty good. Now, I don't think they're going to contend in the Coastal Division for the title there, but I think certainly uh, they are much more likely to be in, in line for a bowl game this year than I thought they would be. Well, they had this week off. Next week coming up, they kind of are on the national stage a little bit, getting to play somebody like Miami, who is one of those contenders in the Coastal. And despite a loss to LSU, Miami has kind of rebounded okay. Uh, you know, maybe last week you could argue that they barely beat a bad Florida State team. But what is UVA going to have to do to kind of, you know, shock the country and maybe take down the Hurricanes? Yeah, there's going to be a lot of things that they have to improve and, and do better than we've seen them do so far. And, and for me with Miami, everybody talks about the turnover chain and the explosive athletes on offense. So they get a turnover and then they turn it into points. For me, it all starts with Gerald Willis Jr. Uh, and that defensive line. And I think that's where the turnovers come from, right? They disrupt you. They make it hard to run the football. They get after your quarterback. They get in your passing lanes. They get in your face. They knock you down. They put you in situations where you're in second and 11, third and 14, and now you've got to throw the ball downfield under some pressure. So everything that I like about Miami really starts with that defensive front. And everything that I question about Virginia, uh, a lot of it centers around that offensive line. So 
not a great matchup there, right? If you're if you're UVA and a UVA fan, I think they're going to have to find a way to contain uh, that Miami line. They're going to have to be careful with the football, not turn it over. Uh, they're going to have to play great defense when there is a turnover. It's going to happen. Uh, Miami's going to take the football away at some point. You're going to have a sudden change, maybe a short field position against Louisville. Virginia's defense did that and had a great stand, goal line red zone stand against NC State. Turnover that led to points. So that's a big difference right there, you know. And and then on the flip side, it's going to be about running the football because you want to hold on to it. You want to have time of possession. They need to get Jordan Ellis going to make Bryce Perkins as effective as he can be. So uh, those are some of the things. Now, this team has some confidence. They played pretty well against Miami a year ago and felt like they let things slip away. Um, I'm sure Miami feels like, hey, they got in gear and that's what turned things around. But Virginia goes into this game with a, a decent amount of confidence, uh, just some matchups that I don't love. All right. Staying in the ACC, but maybe getting a little a little less out of the woods. You know, you're a beat writer for both schools, so you've been everywhere multiple times. What's the best ACC town not in the state of Virginia? <laughs> That's a great <laughs> question. Um, well, and I think it's important that we disqualify uh, South Beach because when I go to Miami, <laughs> we go and stay in South Beach, and we stay in those little boutique hotels right on uh, Ocean Drive, and that's the best trip of the year, no doubt, hands down. But University of Miami isn't in South Beach. That's just something that me and the other beat writers about five or six years ago decided, hey, let's stay in South Beach and have some fun. Uh, if you're talking about a true college town, one of my favorites is Chapel Hill. Um, I really like the bars and the restaurants on Franklin Street. Um, what, top, top of the Hill? Is that is that That's the one I I've been enjoy, at. I enjoy Top of the Hill. There's also <laughs> one down the road that it's actually a members-only club um, it's kind of a, a high-end cocktail craft drink place. It's called the Crunkleton. Um, the membership doesn't cost much. And, you know, I'm there three, four, five times a year between football and basketball. Uh, they really make some good cocktails there. And it's right across the street from my favorite Italian restaurant, which is uh, 411 West right there on, on Franklin Street. So you put those two together. And, yeah, I really enjoy uh, any time I get to go down to Chapel Hill. All right, Mike. Well, uh, one last question. Well, not the last question, but the last uh, question that we'll ask you that pertains to sports, I guess. Um, <laughs> now that you've seen Virginia Tech, UVA, we're getting toward that halfway point or pretty close to it in the college football season. What would you say your expectations? I know you touched on a little bit with UVA saying, you know, a bowl game is now a lot more realistic than maybe you thought at the beginning of the year. Um, what about Virginia Tech? What would you say is a realistic goal for the Hokies? Yeah, I, I think winning the ACC Coastal Division is right there for Virginia Tech. Now, I don't think it's going to be easy. Um, the breakdowns I saw against Notre Dame, that makes me worry about the Georgia Tech game because Georgia yeah. Tech's the kind of team that, you know, they're going to run that triple option and you can stop it 95% of the time. But if you give up two or three big scoring runs, you can lose the football game that way. And, um, you know, Justin Fuente hasn't had great success against Georgia Tech in the time he's been with the Hokies. Bud Foster has had some pretty good success against Paul Johnson. But the way this defense is playing right now, um, Georgia Tech scares me. But it's very simple to me with the Hokies. Their defense needs to keep getting better every week uh, to be a championship team. And that means getting better this week. It means getting better during the open date. It means being better against Georgia Tech. Uh, and ultimately, it means winning that game against Miami. And um, I'm not saying that I'm picking Virginia Tech to win out. But when I look at their schedule, there isn't a game remaining that I say they can't win that football game. So if you're a Tech fan, if you're a Tech player, a Tech coach, 
you got to feel like, hey, this division, if we do what we think we're capable of, is there for the taking. And, and I think that's the right way to look at it. How high a, a bowl game are you thinking for UVA? I mean, how many, what kind of wins are you putting on their season? I mean, it doesn't, a, a range is fine, but where are you looking for the Cavaliers? Yeah, I'll tell you that I came into the year thinking four or five wins was their ceiling. I've been impressed with uh, certainly their Louisville game. I've been impressed with Perkins. I would say the ceiling still is that five to six win range. So I think they're fighting for their bowl lives and, and any bowl game they can get to, uh, they should be happy with. And maybe I'm selling them short, but um, you know, I think they are, they're right in the middle of the pack to the bottom middle in the, in the ACC. Uh, they're a team that has a lot of games left on the schedule that I think you guys and I would agree, or at this point we'd call toss up games. Yeah. Uh, and our experience, at least my experience with UVA, and again, I don't mean this insultingly, but my experience is they don't win most of the toss-up games. Uh, and that's the big thing under Bronco that they are, they're trying to change is when they get in those games where they're okay and the opponent's okay, they need to win those. And uh, I think they can get themselves to six wins in another bowl game, but uh, that's probably my ceiling for them this year. Well, we want to make sure our listeners know where to find you. Tell them how to, how to find you on social media and, and other places. Yeah, thanks. You can you know follow me on Twitter at RTD underscore Mike Barber. You can read all my stuff at richmond.com. I have coverage of UVA and Virginia Tech. And in fact, we just posted an article on what Virginia hopes it accomplished during the uh, open date, the bye week there. Yeah, I actually uh, read that uh, not too long before we went on here. So uh, thanks for all that you do covering the, the sports that we care about. And uh, real quick, before we get out of here, it's a segment we do, um, you know, what's dominating my life. And it tends to be, you know, what show we've binge watched recent, or recently or have in our lives. What, uh, what kind of binge watching, what's been dominating your life either now or in the past? Well, I, I'm a huge Breaking Bad fan. I love that show. I've watched it straight through twice now. Um, but right now I'm, I'm in the middle of uh, Better Call Saul. And last night, even though I think it's gone downhill dramatically, uh, The Walking Dead came back. Uh, I, I really love the early seasons. Um, yeah. they, they've gotten away from kind of the man versus zombie and they're deep into the Lord of the flies, man versus man. I don't love it as much, but, uh, the season did start and I'm, I'm hoping that, uh, when I'm not watching the Yankees and I hope that that continues on into deep and into the <laughs> postseason. but, uh, hoping walking dead kind of rebounds and entertains me again. Well, some great recommendations there and ones we haven't hit yet. So, uh, thanks for doing that. And, uh, we would really like to talk to you in the future and hope we can. Yeah, sounds great. Thanks for having me, guys. Okay, Leland, let's get weird. Let's talk mascots. Yeah, we're breaking this up. Our last segment, we're going to break into a little bit of fun stuff here. We're talking mascots. We we asked for some uh, user feedback with high school mascots. We got sent a lot of good stuff. Um, Patrick Heights sent us some good and bad stuff. Uh, I hadn't seen the Cougar uh, up close and personal from Stewart's draft. And that's a solid effort of a uh, mascot there. But what, what really sparked this segment is the Buffalo gap bison is waiting outside my door to eat my soul. That's what I fear every moment that I'm awake. I'm telling you, and we joked about this on the way out. Buffalo Gap's mascot was the reason they beat Page County. That offensive lineman that committed the hold for Page County didn't hold the Buffalo Gap Bison player because he was worried that he was going to tackle the running back on that touchdown run that Page County had. He was grabbing him for safety because that <laughs> Buffalo Gap Bison was looking at him with those glowing red eyes saying, oh I am coming for you and everyone you love. That is it the is- most terrifying mascot in high school football right now. 
whoever controls where that bison is, whether it's the person in it, if it's an adult or if it's, you know, the cheerleading coach or whoever, you stand that thing at the bottom of the stairs that the opposing team comes out and you have that thing standing there as that team comes by them. Cause sure. Maybe there's some, you know, manly men that won't be phased by that. There's going to be some kids in that ball club that's going to be scared of that bison the way that I am. Stand him in the back of the end zone that the team is running to. They'll never get there. Stare in the quarterback. You know what? Eyes. That's how Buffalo Gap beats East Rock. Put the Buffalo Gap Bison in the back of the end zone with those glowing red eyes. It might scare enough players away or make them think about it to where Buff- Carter Rivenberg can rip the ball out of their hands and score a touchdown. While we're talking about scary things, uh, the other thing that sparked this conversation was the Rockbridge Wildcat. That thing seemed to be molded oh, in a pit of hell as well. That yeah. thing. It didn't have the glowing eyes, so it's still second scariest, but it was uh, frightening. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, but I'm a grown man, and I'm, I'm not, I don't want to be near these things. I don't know if it's as bad as the King baby that used to be at the Pelicans games, but that was pretty terrifying as well. <laughs> Speaking of terrifying things, uh, Patrick also sent us a picture of Larry Landis in a turkey outfit. That is terrifying in itself um (laughs) let's get outside of some of the high school and go to you know some of the ones maybe that aren't terrifying but ones that we love through pro sports or college joe throw some mascots at me so we can talk about them um one you didn't put on here that i'm gonna talk about the oriole bird dude how do you not love the oriole solid yeah he's solid you didn't put him on our list you put the philly fanatic mr met those are probably the two most popular in all of baseball i'll give you that but i also enjoy billy the marlin the old sports center commercial you know, and they always have the mascots <laughs> all around Bristol. And uh, that's just a part of what's going on there. And they had the commercial and, and it was like a soap opera, but on ESPN. And the two anchors are like kissing. And then she turns around and she's like, Billy and Billy the Marlin standing there. <laughs> Ever since that moment, he's he's had a special place in my heart. But you mentioned the big ones, the Philly fanatic, Mr. Met. Baseball is so solid in their um mascots and i think they were ahead of a lot of people i think in the 80s was when it was real popular and i think people caught up in the 90s so where we got in the 90s like it seems like these are the mascots of my childhood you know the sun's gorilla hugo the hornet and rocky from the nuggets you know those guys were awesome when we were kids yeah and look i don't get people that hate mascots like if that's not why you go to games cool that shouldn't be why you go to the games but why do you gotta hate on the mascot i think mascots are cool i think as long as they're at least an effort was made. I, I'm pretty good with them. I think sometimes uh, they're not as cool. I like Steely McBeam from the Steelers. They they made recently. I think is a waste of time, and I just laugh at it. And that's my team. Yeah, um, I like Poe. Yeah, and and it's it's interesting to just see. I think sometimes you just like you go forward with a mascot, and then you should just give up and try again. Um, Steely McBeam. Go ahead. Dumb. Yeah, it's bad. It's bad, dude. <laughs> Um, I think also hockey, I think has gotten stronger in their mascots. The, the Phil, uh, the, uh, flyers just put that out. That is a horrible mascot. Well, I don't know. I'm not totally against it. It's crazy. Looking, I'm going to they're going for that. I'm going to give you the link to share of Comcast Sportsnet's uh, TV announcer talking about the flyers <laughs> mascot. I, All right, he's well, totally right. That thing is on drugs. Well, We'll post it up. I've only seen one picture. Maybe all my opinion will change. But uh, the yuppie from the Mon- Montreal Canadiens was is one of the best things I've ever seen. Uh, I love that thing. It's He's just, just a, a red-haired Paul Bunyan. Yeah, that's so crazy. So good. Um, I also wanted to talk about some uh, living mascots, both pro yeah. and um, college. I 
this week I hate the Notre Dame leprechaun, but I say in general, I'm never too big a fan, but uh, no. after last week, I'm, I'm not going to be a fan, but Uga, the Georgia bulldog, like uh, Bevo, the Texas Longhorn. Go ahead. Jump in. Yeah. I like Uga. No strong opinion of Bevo, but I like Uga. Bevo is Bevo is Bevo. Like, I mean, it's on brand. It's just, it's yeah. what it is. It's awesome. And I, I'm sure Texas fans. We didn't it. talk about the red river, red river, uh, showdown or whatever. Just really quickly. One the shootout that they used to call it. <laughs> yeah. But they had to change the name of, uh, one, the freshman Dicker, the kicker. What a yeah. huge kick that was ice water. His fans. But also Leland. And I know you didn't see this cause you were probably in Blacksburg, uh, having some Pepsi, uh, before the game, but cream, cream sodas. Yeah. Yeah. Cream sodas. <laughs> but I didn't know this until I was watching the game on TV. You know what Texas does when they score touchdowns? I think I've seen it. What they, it. they put an Oak. Well, this is because they were playing Oklahoma. Um, Uh-oh. they put an Oklahoma t-shirt over a cannon and shoot the cannon and blow a hole in it. It was crazy. <laughs> I was like, awesome. Oh my gosh. That's Nuts. pretty cool. I love it. But yeah. Jumping back to these mascots, I wanted to get to Mike the Tiger because I've seen him in real life. Uh, Mike the Tiger School. It was breathtaking. Uh, the the enclosure that they had right next to the football stadium, between the basketball stadium and the football stadium, there's this tiger cage with a magnificent tiger in there. Uh, really awesome. Uh, it seems like the SEC gets some good mascots in there with the the old Smokey at Tennessee mm-hmm. and um, – uh, the Uga we already talked about. It just seems like the SEC does pretty good. You know, the Gator. I know that's How about not the a living Eagle, one, but War Eagle at Auburn. Oh, yeah. It's good too. Now, they, they have a they tiger good guy who SEC. runs around like a stuff, like a mascot guy, tiger. But I like the Eagle more. But yeah, yeah. They got um, big in Al. the pros, the Renegade, the Viking is one I had written down. Um, Are you not going to talk about Ralphie the Buffalo? That thing is a machine. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm always worried that he's going to break away and just totally stampede everyone. How do you how do you guarantee that's not going to (sighs) happen? That is a lawsuit waiting to happen, Colorado. I'm I'm scared of the bison in a costume. I'm really scared of that real bison coming down the 50 yard line. No doubt. No (laughs) doubt. Uh, You know, go to a Colorado game. You want the upper deck seat. (laughs) But let's get. You said renegade. Renegade will never be as cool as Ragnar, though. Wasn't that yeah, the original guy who Ragnar, blew his horn, but he, he got he big. too much money. Yeah, he held out. Now, let me say this. As much as I love so mascots. So went there. You know, it, was, it, seemed, it seemed right. As much as I like mascots, <laughs> uh, probably not a good idea to hold out for more money if you're <laughs> yes, a mascot. Yes, you're always replaceable. You are zero interest for the people that you're go a, to that game. You are a costume. Remember no one, that. Yeah, no one's paying 80 bucks to go see Ragnar the Viking on Sunday. <laughs> like, come on memorable college ones that i wrote down stanford the tree is useless it's a tree wow it's a tree it's useless i don't like stanford the tree yeah oregon the duck i think always plays a good I role don't like the duck you don't like the duck i think no, he's solid i don't like anything about oregon i love this espn commercial where he's like sitting in the office looking at the ducks out on the water that's a great one uh tcu super frog mm-hmm. he's okay i don't I like have a strong it. opinion about i don't have a strong opinion on him it's just different than everybody else. Like even, Oh even, yeah. Cause of the frogs. How many frogs are there? Yeah. How many frogs are there? But also like if you, someone else is the frog, it ain't going to look like that. I mean, he's, oh. he's menacing looking for a frog. I'll give him that. Uh, the Wisconsin Bucky, the badger of the big 10 mascots. I would have named, um, what is his name? Bucky, the Buckeye. Well, it's Bucky, the badger, Bucky, the badger. What is the Buckeye? Is he just the Buckeye? 
the fact that you don't know means that I'm already kind of right. Yeah, but you know who I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah, I do. He's good. Uh, I, I'm blanking on him too. That's the that's Big sad. Ten. That's the Big Ten mascot that would come to mind. I think of that Spartan up there too. Mm, Sparty. Yeah. Um, without you know, just choosing our home teams, which we'll get to right here. But my most favorite, other than my Hokie Bird, is the Western Kentucky. Big red blob thing. He is the best. He is red grimace. That is exactly what he is. That's all he is. Is red grimace. I loved grimace. <laughs> yeah, I know you did. I know you did. Red grimace. That is what. That's what he is. In fact, I would have more respect for Western Kentucky if they named him Red Grimace. I'm sure they would get sued. But yeah, he's the best. All right, our Hokie is the best. I don't think we need to talk much more about it. He wins mascot competitions all the time. I want to bring up the Cavman just because my favorite moment of that Cavman was just coming out on that horse against TCU and getting, and getting bucked off in the pregame. I will post that video. I will use this as an opportunity to post that video because I it makes me laugh. For I I always post stuff the week of the UVA Tech game, and that video is always my favorite day. Uh, but I'm gonna celebrate a little early this year and post it uh, through through our podcast so we can just drive away every Cavalier fan that ever wants to listen to us. Um, and then the Duke dog, I like, I love the Duke dog when they try to change him a couple years ago, the, the actual mascot Oh, that did guy, not go well. Ooh, that was a problem. They had to switch, right? That was, that was one of those times where someone took a shot and realized how bad they, they changed his and cape back. and everything that did not go well. That was, oh, <laughs> that bad. was bad. Um, yeah, I was actually there when I was my freshman year, when the Duke dog got in a fight with the Chanticleer, it happened right in front of me. It was super oh, cool. Yeah. I loved it. Um, it was awesome. And let me just say, if you haven't seen the video, um, I'm sure there we'll are videos. It. But no, yeah, we'll I, I remember seeing it live. The game was a blowout, so I was very not interested in the game at that point. And I was looking down because I saw the Duke dog come over to the Chanticleer mascot. And I was like, oh, mascot love. Okay. And then the Duke dog does one of those, you know, fake, fake out on the uh, handshakes. And then turns around and the Chanticleer... Uh, Oh, gosh. I think it was the Chanticleer fake kicked the Duke dog from behind, and then a brawl ensued. And you were like, oh, this is this looks kind of real. Maybe, like, it's not part of the show. And then the cops had to come over. Um, And this is the part (laughs) where you won't see in the video, uh, because after the fight's over and they've taken the Duke dog out, Duke dog, (laughs) the the whole crowd at this point, because JMU's up 62 to nothing or something ridiculous, the whole crowd is chanting Duke dog during the game while it's being played and everything. I'm sure the players are like, what the hell is happening here? But the Duke dog comes back out. Everybody starts cheering. Um, the Duke dog walks up to the edge of, because now they've set barricades up on the sideline to separate <laughs> the Chanticleer and the Duke dog. And the Duke dog walks up to the edge, tells the Chanticleer he's number one uh, with alternative <laughs> sign language. And then puts the cuff me pose up while the cops escort him out of the stadium while the crowd is going wild. That's great. That if that doesn't make you one of the best mascots in the nation, I don't know what will we've forgotten a lot about a a lot about mascots here. So make sure you guys tweet at us, Facebook message us, send up smoke signals, tell us what we missed, tell us what your favorite is and, and why we should have talked about it. And uh, maybe we'll come back to this at some point, but a lot of good mascots out there. Okay, Leland, let's get to the pressing business that everyone wants to know. What is dominating your life? 
I went to the Virginia Tech game this weekend. I had a great time. I know the Hokies lost. It's it's a good atmosphere down there, and that pregame was spectacular. They do so well. It's They've really ramped it up with Whit Babcock there and everything they do. They get uh, the music's good. They have the guys flying in with the American flag, like the Hokie flag and the American flags. That's awesome. Um, it's just a really good atmosphere in there. At some point, that's going to benefit us, and we're going to beat a big team at home again. But it was a great day, great weather, the parking lots, uh, great Hokie fans out there. Um, I just love going to Hokie games. And if you've never been, find a Hokie fan that'll take you and go because it's just a fun time. It's a good atmosphere. And you feel safe with your kids there. It's something I always appreciate. I didn't see a bunch of hatred with Notre Dame fans. Um and even when other big teams have come in and even West Virginia and, and UVA come in there, I just don't see that much negative stuff happening. So I would recommend it to anybody and uh, I let it dominate my life whenever uh, I can afford to get out of here for a day. Can I be slightly negative for a second? I, you always do. Okay. And I know you go to a lot of these games, so maybe you have no idea what I'm talking about. But when I'm watching it on TV, especially the like pregame Metallica message this week, the only, the first thing that popped in my head when they started with the pregame Metallica message in my head, I'm like, this is going to look really dumb when we get blown out tonight. <laughs> it's fun to be in the stadium when I have look, I know. And I agree with yeah. you when you're in the stadium, it's totally cool. And in your head, you're like, there's no way we're going to lose now. We're so jacked. The team's going to feed off this. And then they never do. But yeah. A year ago when we played Clemson at that moment, like after all that, like was coming back down, but still the kickoff was yet to happen. I was sure we were going to be Clemson. But like you said, we got blown out. Um, <laughs> what is dominating your life, Joe? That fight. Uh, Connor McGregor and Habib. Um, I'm talking, of course, about the second fight. The first fight did not go how I was hoping. I was rooting for Connor McGregor. He lost. Um, I root for Connor McGregor because he does a great job selling fights and makes fights interesting for me. Uh, but he lost. Uh, Habib definitely won that fight. Uh, but then the second fight was where Habib jumped out to go fight Connor's uh, corner man. And then Habib's teammates jumped in to fight Conor McGregor and kind of turned into a total lawless, not good look for the UFC. Dana White, in fact, was saying this is not what we're about. This is not how MMA fights usually go. There was already rumors before the fight. They had extra security in there to protect fans because fans of Conor McGregor are rowdy. Um, They're crazy. Uh, They're Irish. They're very passionate about fighting. Um, and I mean you that in there, the Irish <laughs> there that it's just that that's how that culture is. They don't have a lot of successful UFC <laughs> fighters. Conor McGregor I'm, is kind I'm of a their McCray, fighter. I can say that. Yeah. <laughs> and they love it. Um, but I will also say this, um, uh, th- there is a criminal element that they were worried about before the fight. And that was the Irish mob and the Russian mob. And so that was another reason for all the extra security that was at that fight. And while thankfully nothing happened there, um, Habib, who won this fight, may lose his title uh, because he may be suspended. He may not be able to get back into the country. Oh, dude, you are crazy. If if the Nevada Gaming Commission suspends him or the Nevada Sports Athletic Commission or whatever uh, suspends him for a prolonged period of time, he absolutely will lose that title. I think the Nevada Gaming Commission or fight whatever whatever words you said like it's money. Nevada State Athletic Commission and it I think all I of that it. all of that benefits the people that make money so I think they'll be okay and they'll 
I'll leave it alone. I think that the lead into this fight was tough for me because I want to like fighting. I want to like boxing or MMA. And it was, it's two very unlikable guys. And I thought that this back, I think we bought the fight with Mayfield and Pacquiao. That was a fight of two Mayweather, Mayweather. And, uh, who did I say? Mayfield. <laughs> did I jump back a couple uh, generations? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> they, I, I want to like these things when you have these guys that are so unlikable, it's tough. I, I think they need somebody that's more likable. I, I did. I do not like Conor McGregor at all. And I, I know he sells a fight, but then you need to have somebody on the other side that isn't the type of person to have the Russian mob behind them and jump out of the ring and try to beat people up. Like you, you gotta, you gotta Rocky this thing. You gotta have, you gotta have the likable versus the unlikable. And it's just tough for me to even get into it when it's two very unlikable people. And then when something as ugly as this happens, I, it just, it drives me further away. Okay. I, I disagree. I think Conor McGregor does a great job selling fights. I don't want to listen to fighters talk about how much they respect the other guy before they get into the octagon. I, I, I want to handle some adversariness. I can handle that. I just don't be like a crap human being. Don't throw, uh, you know, parking ballers through van windows. Dollies. Don't, just don't, don't be terrible people. Mm. Like be a decent person and then get really fired up about your fight. Keep it there. Don't be a crap human. I think they kind of go hand in hand, but okay. Okay. What do you know that I don't know that I need to know? I know that Leland, despite his last name, does not like Irish music. I got a text on my way to work last week (laughs) saying, hey, uh, hikings aren't for me. But Leland does love the Lucky Chops, which is interesting because I felt like more people – that if they were willing to listen to my recommendations would have liked the hikings more than lucky chops for the general populace. But it's good to know that Leland likes the lucky chops. My music uh, liking is very wide. I have Boston and Boston pops on my playlist. I go with a wide range myself and an instrumental is not going to bother me. So those lucky chops were fun. When you do just a, a jazzed up musical version of today's hits, I'm there. And uh, I loved it. It happened. My, my toe tapping. So I know this is kind of just doubling down on what you had last week on your recommendations for music. But uh, I, I wasn't that big into the high kings. Uh, but I would recommend them to other people because they're worth a listen. You can. T- I mean, it's good quality music. Um, the the high kings was funny because uh, and my mom brought this up to me this weekend. And call out to my mom who listens every week. She's she's one of them. Uh, yeah. She uh, reminded me of my dad. He was really into the Gypsy Kings. So uh, I'm partial to the Gypsy Kings instead of the High Kings. So uh, Wait, the just Gypsy so Kings are the ones who uh, do Bumboleo. Yes, from the Big yeah. Lebowski. Yes, 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 and Hotel yeah, California. It, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a jam. They're so, very good. So uh, people can find that. That's something I know that people don't know. But what I really know that people need to know is Oklahoma fired their defensive coordinator. So what I now know that other people should know. They have defensive coordinators in the Big 12. I didn't know that. I just thought they just, you know, rolled out the 11 guys on defense and said, hey, try to get in the way of somebody. But they have defensive coordinators there and that are actually held accountable for poor defense. I never knew that. They've been playing poor defense in that conference for a decade and a half. You think someone else would have gotten fired at some point for bad defensive coaching. But finally this week, Oklahoma fires their defensive coordinator. And what's even bigger about that, it was Bob Stoops' brother. 
So the Stoops era at Oklahoma is officially over as brother got told to get out. And now it's all on Lincoln Riley. Yeah. uh, Part of that is because he is a Stoops. And part of that is because Oklahoma would like to be an elite program and elite programs after you have an embarrassing performance, fire people. All I have to say is, all I have to say is Bud Foster better be glad he's at Virginia Tech. You I mean, don't give up 635 yards to Old Dominion and keep your job at a lot of places. That's all I'm saying. I will say Old Dominion will surprised Old with Dominion, Bud Foster's defense. Old Dominion will play a decade of football and not get 635 yards in a single game again. I will say I've been surprised with Bud Foster's defense, but before the season started, we we all comment on how young that defense was and how many pieces were missing. So just because they beat a bad Florida State team doesn't mean they were some kind of good defense. So I'm going to give them a little room to work with there. And that whole Virginia Tech coaching staff in 1980-whatever it was, when Beamer nearly got fired for sucking, better be glad they coached at Virginia Tech because they kept their jobs then, and that built an entire program. So I think there is some lessons in not just being quick on the trigger and yelling for everybody to be fired after every single bad performance not after every single one but how many times has bud foster been the only thing we had going (sighs) and i'm ready for it to happen again all right let's get out of here (laughs) next week we have a bunch of big games we talked about them at the top of the show we look forward to talking about it next week and we'll be back with more yak sports podcast in a week